Unity of Farmington Hills, a powerful path for spiritual living. today. If you are here for the first time in person, please get a welcome packet out in the counter, on the counter outside the sanctuary. My name's Donna Opoka and I'll be sharing the announcements. Please join us after service for fellowship, refreshments, and maybe some surprising new bakery treats. <laughs> Our first UFH, Ukulele Group's first meeting, lesson, and play is today at 11.15 to 1 o'clock down in room 2. Hope you're bringing your ukulele and your voice. There will be a discussion for ideas and needs. So if you're interested in ukuleles, please join us. Do you have a passion or desire to work with children? The children's church could be your answer. Sunday school teachers are needed. 
And we also need maybe nursery helpers because we are getting children even younger than are able to join the classrooms. So if you are interested in being a teacher in the classrooms or a nursery aide, please see our children's church director, Sharon Clace. She'll be available after service. Our spring cleanup, yard cleanup, is canceled. That was regularly scheduled for April 29th. We will, we're looking into rescheduling for a date in May, so stay tuned for that. The capital campaign fundraiser for this month, April's Not Fooling, is winding down. Our anonymous supporter is still in the matching game. So every $1,000 or more capital campaign donation above your regular monthly donation or tithe will still be matched with a $1,000 donation. Yeah, the total matched donation hasn't yet been made because we're going to do that at the end of the month. So you still have time to get in the game and let our anonymous donor know you're not fooling either. <laughs> Reverend Kelly will facilitate a new seven-week class from Emily Cady's book, Now I Used, oh, I'm sorry, How I Used Truth, beginning May 2nd, running through June 13th on Tuesdays from 6.30 to 8.45 p.m. Discover how your life can be transformed by the power of thoughts and beliefs, how to find the truth in your heart, and how to apply these truths in every area of your life. To sign up for the class, please email seniorminister at unityfh.com, and the required text is How I Use Truth by Emily Cady. Love offering donations are appreciated. Our next game night and dinner is Friday, May 5th at 6.30 p.m. Everyone is welcome. Please see Eileen Lindbergh to sign up. And if you sign up, please show up because we, we do the meals, the, the food, based on who's signing up. Save the date Sunday, May 7th for our next town hall meeting. It will take place after service at 11.30 in the social hall. Get updated by the board and Reverend Kelly on upcoming events, plans, finances, and answers to all your questions. Your prayer requests are sacred and welcomed. There are three ways to make your request. Place your request in the secured prayer box across from the sanctuary. You can email your request to the prayer chaplains at unityfh.com, or you can call our new UFH prayer request line at 248-702-0010. Sharon Lewis is our prayer chaplain today, and she will be available to pray with you after service near the patio doors. So please move out as, you can, as soon as you can after service so they can have a sacred space to pray. To stay abreast of all our activities and upcoming events, please visit unityfh.com, check out our Facebook page, or read through the newsletter emailed out every Friday. And now, as the music team sings Surely the Presence, let us prepare our hearts and our minds to hear the daily word and our opening prayer and meditation. 
morning, everyone. Good morning. Now it's time for the reading of the daily word. So if you'd like, you may close your eyes or you can keep them open. It depends on how you feel. Sunday, April 23rd, 2023. Pray for others. Today we affirm, as I pray, I affirm the activity of God in your life and mine. Our message reads, I am honored by the trust of those who ask me to pray with them. Whatever I am asked to pray about, my responsibility is always the same, to recognize all qualities of God are active, even in the most challenging circumstances. I remain steadfast affirming this truth. If I have been asked to pray for healing, I release all thoughts of illness. I affirm divine life in every cell. I see harmony and perfect function restored. If I am praying for abundance, I entertain no thought of lack. I affirm divine love, wisdom, and understanding, guiding the one with whom I pray to make wise, prospering choices. As I affirm truth for all who have asked for prayer, my awareness of God's activity in my life increases also. Our Bible verse for today comes from 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, and it reads, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be good in, in good health, just as it is well with your soul. Let us pray. I invite you, if you haven't already, to please gently close your eyes with me. And let's take a deep, gentle breath and exhale deeply. Let your attention slide down into your heart. And on one accord, we sit in a consciousness of love. We tune into the feeling of peace and love in our heart. as we feel this love, we are activating the presence of God within. And God, as we acknowledge your presence, your power, your love, your peace within us, we are grateful that you are that one power, that one presence, that one activity that is active in our lives and in the universe. That you are God the good, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient that you are absolute good, that we can always rely on you at any moment, any time, in any situation. And right now we release everything that concerns us and put it on your altar. Jesus said that in our human, we are limited, but with God, all things are possible. So we release our hands off our situations, off our lives, off those things that concern us. We turn them over to you right now. We sit right now in a state of peace and surrender, total trust and total faith. Knowing that you are that activity that is working behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, and all around the scene to bring forth our perfect divine health and wholeness to bring forth all things together for our greatest and highest good. 
and even for those who we are concerned about. And so right now, we just sit in a space of love and peace and surrender. And we let your power well up inside of us. We celebrate you inside of our hearts right now. As we slowly breathe in love deeply. We let ourselves release love deeply out into the world. And we become that ebb and flow of love coming in. And love going out. love coming in as we breathe in deeply and love going out as we exhale deeply that we may be a part of the love expression that is radiating throughout the existence of the universe our bodies we free our minds we open our hearts and as we do this God prepares us for the message that God has for us today God prepares us to be the understanding of it and the living expression of it in the world. And we are grateful to you, God, that even when we are silent, you are active. We receive your blessing over our minds, our hearts, and our bodies. And we are committed to hear your word to receive and understand your word and to be it in the world, living the truth that we know. Thank you, God, for your mighty gift of love that loves us no matter what and teaches us to love you, ourselves, and others in the same way. We lift this prayer in the mighty name and nature of the indwelling Christ. And we thank you, God, for answering it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. Amen. That felt good. <laughs> now let us go ahead and affirm the statement of being together. God is all, both invisible and visible. One presence, one mind, one power is all. This one that is all is perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. I am an individualized expression of God. Wait, let's do that two more times. I am an individualized expression of God. I am an individualized expression of God. 
I am ever one with this perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. And now let's go ahead and affirm our U of H growth affirmation together with, um, with hearts of gratitude of how far we've come since 2018 when I got here and just feeling that excitement as we say this affirmation. Together, we give thanks for our expansive congregation that fills our halls, sanctuaries, and classrooms with seekers and teachers of unity truth, fills our hearts with love and joy, and provides us with all of the necessary resources to co-create a loving and compassionate spirit-filled world. Amen to that. <laughs> Lord, give me a praying
didn't she? You can tell she's a natural and she's been singing before us. We have been drawing some heavy hitters, I'm just telling you. What'd you say? Law of Attraction. I always, when people say something to me that compliments me, I say it takes one to know one, right? Well, I'm telling y'all, we have, we have raised our vibration. You guys raised your vibration when I got here and I felt it when I got here. And every time I think about it, I just, wanna, I just have this feeling to cry because when you're asking God to tell you what to say, tell you what to do, and you seriously have a sincere heart and a praying heart, you are guided. You seriously are guided. And far away, amen, right? <laughs> And far and beyond anything you could have imagined. Let me say that again. Anything that you could have imagined. And that's what I feel like what's going on here at Unity of Farmington Hills. Amen? Amen. Woo to the we. <laughs> I haven't said that in a while. I used to say that with my kids. Woo to the we. And they would say it to woo to the we. <laughs> they were so cute. My daughter turned 30 yesterday. She's still cute. She's still cute. They don't outgrow the cute. Well, sometimes they do when they're acting up. But then it returns. It returns, right? So we have been on a, a hiatus for a little bit from the parables. And I want to finish our study about the parables of Jesus because I, I, every time I dive into a new parable, which I thought I knew on a deeper level, I go even deeper. So I wanted to finish up this uh, series that we've been on for the last year or so, well, the beginning of this year, on the parables of Jesus. Last the last parable we talked about was the parable of the persistent widow. And it is interesting because Jesus was a powerful, to me, Jesus was a powerful storyteller. And to me, a powerful storyteller is someone who transports you somewhere in another circumstance, another situation, and lets you see all the parameters of that situation, and then brings you out with a spiritual story, a spiritual understanding, and you haven't gone anywhere. Amen? Amen. And that's what I think Jesus does in his parables, at least to me he does. And so when we talked about the parable of the persistent widow, 
Uh, one of the things that he did that he's also doing in this parable, which he doesn't do in other parables, but he does here in Luke, in Luke 18. He tells you who the audience is. He tells you who he's directing the story to. Normally, it was implied because the Pharisees or somebody might be complaining about something or saying something, and he'll just break out in a story, and it'll be implied towards that person. But in these two parables, he tells you specifically who he is directing this story to. In, in uh, Luke 18, the first verse, he's telling us with the parable of the persistent widow, he's telling us that the story is given to those to show that they should always pray and never give up. Now in this one, and, in the, and then we went deep into that because what we came out of is it's not just persistent prayer. It's persistent prayer that is lined and rooted in faith, that never gives up. It is rooted in faith. And that's important because when you're always praying consistently and persistently in a state of faith, and you never give up, you always know that the outcome will be what your heart truly desires. And that's different than what you think you desire. And so that's important to know that when you're persistently praying in faith, you will get exactly what you need from God on the exact level that you need it. Does that make sense? Yes. And so this one was, remember he, the, uh, the judge in this story exalted himself. He feared no people. He feared no, didn't even fear God, which meant he didn't have reverence to people or God. He held himself on high esteem above everybody. And she kept on coming to him over and over and over again. And back then the trials were out in the open and she was getting more and more persistent. And because she was more passionate about what she was praying for, it scared him. He hadn't seen that before. He thought she was going to punch him in the eye. That was the boxing term used really in that parable. So he gave her what she wanted. It said so that she would leave him alone. But literally, he, she thought he was going to hurt. He thought she was going to hurt her. This little widow. That's how powerful prayer can be. But the truth out of that whole situation was that her faith made her even more passionate to keep going until she got what she needed. Amen. Amen. Now here. Oh, and the end of this, the other part is that after this other, one, other parables, Jesus says, those who have eyes to see, let them see. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. But in these two parables, Jesus sums it up. In the end of the parable of the persistent widow, he says, but when the Son of, God, Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have this kind of faith? That persistent faith that gets stronger and stronger and more passionate the more you persistently pray in the consciousness of God. Having that praying spirit. I am so grateful how God does that. I don't tell Nicholas what I'm going to speak about. He, he and the team pick, up, pick out the songs. And they always line up with God because we got some praying spirits in here. Amen? Amen. On the music team, and you'll see it when you get the directories because they left a little message for you guys. In the, they take this seriously and they hold God in their hearts when they're practicing and when they're singing. And I feel it in my heart when they're singing. Do you feel it in your heart? Yes. That's the power of a praying spirit and the power shifted that judge in here. So the other thing that Jesus talks about in the second parable is also prayer. But we're going to see the difference. We're going to see something else in this prayer. And this one is the parable of the Pharisee and tax collector. It's in Luke 18 verses 9 through 14. Oops. 
it just blew over. Let me go back to where I was. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. And as I often say, if you feel led to bring your Bibles, do so. Some of you pull it up on your phone. But it's nice to have it so as you can write and underline. Mine is all read up and underlined notes all over the place because I, I, I truly love the ahas I get. Um, so, parable of the Pharisee and tax collector. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. See, he's telling us exactly who this prayer is for, this uh, story is for. Two men went to the temple to pray. And that wasn't so odd at the time, because at the time, the uh, Jewish, in the first century Jewish tradition, culture, they believed that if they were in a sacred space, a holy space, or in a temple, that God's prayer, they would really hear God's prayer, it would be fused up with the energy of that sacred space. So they would pray at 9 o'clock, at 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock, and it was not um, so odd for them to all come, even the, the Pharisees and those others will come and pray at that time. So we don't, we're not told if it's 12, 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, or 3 o'clock, but we are told that two men came to pray in the temple. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God. Now, he started off on a good note, right? <laughs> that I am not like other people. <laughs> Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Now, can you hear the despise in his voice? How he's low, like he's looking down on that tax collector. Then it goes, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my income. Jesus goes on to say, but the tax collector stood at a distance. Now, where the Pharisee was was in the inner court of the temple. Where the tax collector was was out at the edge of the temple, still inside the temple so that his prayer would be heard. But he's out at the edge of the temple. That's how his heart is. That's how he's feeling, that he's not even worthy to be up in the temple and that he's not even worthy to be near the Pharisees. And at that time, back in the Jewish traditions, the Pharisees would not be seen anywhere near the tax collectors. So if the tax collector came in and came around the Pharisee, the Pharisee would shun him and tell him off, make him go back. So he's saying... But the tax collector stood at a distance and dare not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. And beating the chest was a form of repentance back then. It's like beating up on yourself, punishing yourself. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you this, Jesus goes on to say, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let me just humble myself in this moment to pray. God, I feel you all, all in me. I'm shaking. I can feel you so deeply. And I'm nervous, too, because... I don't know how you're going to put this together, but I'm grateful that as I release it and just follow what you show me to do, that it'll all turn out perfectly. So thank you, God, for your mighty, mighty message and your mighty, mighty interpretation of this biblical story. 
and so it is. Amen. And so there's interesting, it's interesting what you see here. You see here two characters. You see the parable, the par Pharisee who was um, standing up in his own exalted confidence. He starts off saying, I thank you, God. But then he compares himself to all these other people that I'm not like this person, this person, this person, this person. So he's exalting himself and puffing himself up as far as ju feeling justified because of his actions. And that was one of the things that the Pharisees did their best to do is that they let their actions follow through with the law. Now, this is the thing. We've been studying these parables for a minute. So as we've been studying these parables, we've been seeing that the, the Pharisees weren't really the best in the consciousness of God at that time. However, back in the first century Judaism culture, they were considered holy and they were held in high esteem because they knew the law inside and out. And they honestly did do their part to live according to the law inside and out. So they did. They followed the traditions to the letter of the law. But one of the things that was missing was the heart of the law the spirit of the law. So as they walked around all in the holier-than-thou mode, it really, um, the way they treated other people wasn't the best. So that's why they called tax collectors despised and others who sinned. That's why they felt, you know, were like that and you couldn't be around them because they held themselves in such high esteem, esteem and respect. But the rest of the culture did as well. The rest of the culture did as well. So as Jesus is, re is telling this story, you, the, the cult, in the culture they're saying, seeing that the Pharisees are the, one, the ones who uh, deserve to be in there and justified and in the temple. And that the tax collector who was despised be, uh, was because the way the tax collectors were back then, they were used to levy the taxes from their own people. Romans were pretty smart. They used the people, their own people, to get the taxes. And what, what, was, the, what was the point at the time was that the tax collectors could, bring the, could collect whatever it was that was levied over that city and give it away, and then whatever was left over, they kept. They were able to keep it. That was the law. And so they'd levy these larger than the taxes than what the Romans asked for, and then they'd keep it and they'd pocket it. And so they were rich, scamming over their own people. They were rich. So that's why they were considered despised. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so now we're looking at this story, and the people who are listening to this story are like, oh, okay. So this is for people who have great confidence in their own righteousness and scorn everyone else. But then as Jesus tells the story, it, there's a twist there. Because the Pharisee is the one who is holding himself in high esteem and righteousness and scorning the tax collector. So like he's twisting this. I love how Jesus was. He always took a regular everyday activity and event in that time and he would twist it. You ever watched a movie that never end, that ended like, woo, I didn't see that coming. That's the kind of parables Jesus gave us. So here... There's actually three characters that I see here, instead of just the two. It's the Pharisee who has exalted himself, and then it's the, the, the tax collector who has humbled himself. And, the, in the, and Jesus says that it is the tax collector who goes home justified. 
because he humbled himself before God. When the Pharisee exalted himself before God. And true fit prayer, when you have a praying spirit, when you have a praying heart, you humble yourself to commune with the high expression of God within yourself. You realize that in your humanness, you are nowhere near the Christ in you. And so you humble yourself to be honored even how you pray. To, to honor, get to, be, to be humbled even how you pray so that the words that come up are aligned with the true thing that God is waiting to give you in a way that God is waiting to align you. Does it sound like the Pharisee did that? What does it sound like the Pharisee is doing? Bragging. Bragging. So he comes to God with a haughty heart. He comes to God with an arrogance. He comes to God not only with an arrogance, but separating himself as if he is God. It says he prayed. It says he said, what does it say? In uh, verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. In other versions, it said he prayed to himself. So he's exalting himself and he's praying to himself and he's honoring himself and he's praising himself in front of God. So he's bringing himself and putting himself on a pedestal in front of God. But when you really have a true spirit, a true humble spirit, you, 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 you know that you've messed up. And your soul is grieved because it feels out of alignment. I know sometimes I have um, had my moments of telling somebody off. I walk away feeling justified. But then I don't feel right because that's not me. Especially since I really got in alignment with God. And sometimes I'd be driving home. And another thing, and wanting to call them as if they're in the car next to me. And going off of them. And I got them. I told them up and down. And they walked away in pieces because I cut them up. With my, with, my, with my sword of a tongue. But then I'd sit back and look at it, and it wouldn't feel right. And I didn't know why it didn't feel right for a long time. I didn't, some people didn't realize I knew how to cuss. I don't really know how to cuss. It comes out all proper and wrong. <laughs> Saying every word enunciated properly. And people were like, did she really tell me off? And then saying it in a polite way sometimes, unless you really got me mad. Howard's heard me really get mad before. <laughs> I don't know that you guys have heard me really get mad before. But I had those moments where I thought I just knew. And in those moments where you think you just know, you were coming from, a, you, right, Bonnie, you don't know. <laughs> you think you know that you know, but you really don't know. And that's where this Pharisee is. And I'm here to tell you, all of us have been there at some point in our lives. As a matter of fact, when you're watching the news, or somebody drives and cuts you off on a freeway, especially when you're in a hurry, or somebody's driving really slow, especially when you're in a hurry, I, got, I, I, I tell everybody's business. I'm going to tell them my husband a little bit. Sometimes I got to put in some earplugs when we're in a hurry and somebody's slow in front of us. Because he is loud and angry. He doesn't, he doesn't lay his hand on the horn, but he is loud and angry. And I was well, you know, they're just, they're, they're just going to steal him. They don't have to be in my way doing it, you know. And then, one day, I found myself doing it too. 
I'm like, wow. When I'm not around him, I'll do it. But when he's there, I'm just this humble. <laughs> Halo. <laughs> well, they're going the speed limit, honey. <laughs> and then he's not there. What the? Blah, 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 blah. And I didn't realize that until I started reading this parable. And one day I'm heading home, and I'm like, ooh. So I owe you an apology, honey, because I do the same thing. No, seriously. It is not easy to do that, but this is what Jesus is talking about here. And so with the persistent woman, he's saying to pray constantly, being aware of your thoughts, because the truth is every thought that you think is a prayer. Every word that you say is a prayer. Every action that you do is a prayer. Is it aligned with God every single time? No, it is not. So we are not worthy, if you're coming from that consciousness, to stand in the inner court with this justified consciousness that we're above everybody else. Even if you're doing your best, you will still slip and fall. Romans, in Romans 3, verses 23 and 24, I love what, what uh, Paul says to the Romans. He says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. All of us do. Even the Pharisees did because they weren't living from the heart. Does that matter? I mean, does that make sense to you guys? Because when you're living from the heart, it gives more meaning to what you're doing. When you're living from the heart, you're living from the consciousness that even the sacredness of what you're doing is touched by the Christ in you not the human in you. And when you're living from the heart and you're loving from the heart and you're, law, and, you're, and you're living in the law, you are also blessing those who are messing up. There's no condemnation. And if you notice, in here, Jesus does not condemn the Pharisee. He just tells us what the Pharisee did wrong. It goes on to say in uh, Romans, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. What does that mean? It means that no matter what we do, we are always going to be loved by God. So that, and we are meant to be that expression to others. So that when we pray, we see someone else sitting beside us praying. Whether we know that they are living in alignment with God or not, we are meant to bless them with our words, not curse them with our words. And the moment you judge that you are better than someone else and you're glad you're not in the space of someone else, you are judging them with your words and you're lowering your vibration and you're lowering your heart center into a limited human expression, and you will get the consequences of that. Does that make sense? Yes. So we are not just meant to look at our actions and allow our actions to be in alignment with God. We are also not meant to look for praise and glory when we do things. If you do things because you're humbled and because you're guided by God, God gets the credit, not you. Because God is the one doing it in and through you. Does that make sense? That's why Jesus says, it is not me who says these things, but it is he who sent me that does these things. Does these things by using my voice. Does these things by using my actions. Does these things by demonstrating God in our lives. You are God's. You're not your own. 
You were brought here to be an expression of God, to live in alignment with God, to have a relationship with God so that God could experience God in a human form and experience everything God created for that human form in this earth together. And the moment we start exalting our behavior, we've cut off God. Not from us because you're always aligned with God, but from your intention, from your way of being, from your focus, and from who you are. And you will stumble every single way. Every single thing you do after that prayer stumbles. Does that make sense? Yes. He goes on to say in, in um, Romans 3.24. So he says, yet yeah, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from penalty <laughs> of our sins. <coughs> the tax collector was the one who walked away justified. What does it mean to be justified? To be justified means to be put, in, put back in right relation with God. To be moved back into the right understanding of God. Righteousness, according to Charles Fillmore, he said that, let's, let me find where he put, where he taught, right, said about righteousness because I liked what he said. Okay. Righteousness, and this is in his book, The Revealing Word, is a state of harmony. And Charles Fillmore, for those of you who don't know, is the co-founder of the Unity Movement. Righteousness is a state of harmony established in consciousness through the right use of God-given attributes. Another way of saying it is righteousness is right relationship to God, meaning you are coming from the consciousness of spirit. You are, relate, you are relating and living in the consciousness of spirit within yourselves. You are relating to the world according to your relationship with God. You are relating to your situation and your circumstances according to how you are guided by God. It means that every single thing that you do in your life is directly aligned with the consciousness of God in you. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes. So righteousness is coming from the right-minded, is right-minded thinking, which is the spiritual part of your brain. It's right-minded thinking that everything you do is in right relation with God, even your money. You have a right relationship with your money. Knowing it ain't coming from a man. It's coming from God. God gave you the avenue through man and through business, but it's coming through God. Knowing that your relationship is coming from God. Knowing that God is using you to love the other person and using the other person to love you. You have a choice to be used or not. Amen? Amen. Now the tax collector came to God with a humble heart. And that is what we are meant to do. We are meant to come from a humble heart, a heart that knows that even the greatest actions that we do in our human, and even as guided by God, can never match the Christ in us, never. And so we always, always, we always ask for forgiveness. We ought, when you ask for forgiveness, you put yourself in a space of giving love for those moments that you messed up and for those moments that others messed up towards you. Does that make sense? When you do that, when you come from a space of humbling yourself, what you're doing is you're realigning yourself to God. You're surrendering your human self and you're stepping into the God in you. You're surrendering what you think you know and your obedience to the flesh and you're stepping into your obedience to God. You're letting go of what you think you should do and you're following what God is, is, is um, communicating you with you what to do. You cannot know it 
unless you go inside. Now here it says that the tax collector didn't even feel worthy to lift his eyes to heaven. The truth is heaven is inside and Jesus said that to us. That the kingdom of heaven is within you. When we truly go within and experience the kingdom of God within and we pray from that space, we have humbled ourselves. And the moment you have humbled yourself in that consciousness, you have been risen up to a high vibration of the Christ in you, that every word that comes out of your mouth is aligned with God because you're justified. Every action that you do is aligned with God because you're justified. Everything that you've done in the past is purified and changed because you've, you've committed repentance, which means that you have rethought the thing. It means to repent, to, to rethink. And you rethought the thing aligning yourself back with the God that created you in the first place. Charles Fillmore said the Bible is important because it gives us through allegory, through history, through prophetic word, and through poetry the shift in our consciousness that comes from Genesis, which is the, the, the potentiality of what you're born into, into uh, generation, into degeneration, those moments that you start to doubt yourself and step into limited consciousness towards yourself and others. And then when you step into humbling yourself like that tax collector and you be justified by being realigned to who you are, you step into regeneration. You realign, you reestablish, you reconnect within your heart with the consciousness of who God is. In this story, where the Pharisee was supposed to be the holy expression, it's really the one that was not justified. The tax collector, which was the despised one through his actions, shifted his heart towards God. There's another story about a tax collector whose name was Zacharias. And he was so touched by Jesus and what he heard about Jesus. As he heard Jesus going to Je Jericho, he wanted to climb up high in his tree because he was too short to see people, just to get a glimpse of the holiness in expression. Jesus sees him and says, I'm going to stay with you today. I'm coming over to your house for dinner today. When he's there, Zacharias says, I'm going to give half of what I, get, I take in, what I have. He was a rich tax collector. His heart was shifted because he was realigned. He said, I'm going to give half of what I have to the homeless. And those who I overcharged, I'm going to give them back a, a four times as much as they paid me. When you step in the presence of God, when you humble yourself to the truth of who you are, when you be the expression of the a praying spirit, and you take that third character, which is pride, out of the way, you move from self-righteousness into absolute righteousness. And what happened was, not only did he shift and he changed, he became a follower of Jesus. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is at your table now. Jesus is in your heart right now. He didn't ask, can he come eat? He's already there. In the consciousness of the Christ in you, the door has been opened from what he's done. For us to walk the, into that alignment. Are you ready to walk into alignment with God? Yes? yes. Are you ready to be justified with God? Yes? yes? Let's go ahead and say this prayer. Lord, give me a praying spirit. Together. Lord, give me a praying spirit. Teach me how to be one with you. Together. Teach me how to be one with you. That I will always walk away justified. Together. That I will always walk away justified. The way to do that is that number one, you always know 
that it ain't you doing it, it's the God in you doing it. Number two, you humble yourself before God. Let the power of God open up a greater than a human in you. Number three, you forgive yourself and others for what and the situation for what has happened. You give love for what you misinterpreted and despise. And then number three, you walk away praising and glorifying God. Amen? Thank you so much.
Business. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So now is our time to go into our love offering uh, blessing. So take a gently close your eyes and take a deep breath. And feel what you feel led, what you're being in tuned and guided to give as a love offering for today. And breathe into the consciousness that I am prosperous. Let's say that together. I am prosperous. One more time. I am prosperous. And then let's, when, when, when you take, do it one more time. I am prosperous. Take another deep breath. <sighs> Thank you, God. And let's go ahead and affirm our love offering blessing together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. Thank you, God. Amen. Let's stand up so we can do our prayer for protection together. And as we affirm this prayer, we're affirming this prayer in alignment with everyone else in the world. We're praying it for ourselves and everyone else because we're one with the world together. I mean, amen? Amen. I'm going ahead of myself. All righty. Together, the light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is and all is well. you for listening to this unity of farmington hills podcast we hope this has encouraged you inspired you and uplifted you if you are unable to attend our sunday gatherings but would still like to support our spiritual community visit our giving page unityfh.com donate